This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. You're listening to Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Last year was like the lowest scoring in the, in the league in a long, long time. And they wanted to fix that. And they obviously have. So, you know, they're allowing they're allowing things to happen. They're allowing receivers not to get touched. They're allowing uh, quarterbacks not to get hit. They're allowing people not to hold. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, to hold. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, when the league wants something, they're going to get it. So I think they're getting it. Football. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's pause our Jimmy Butler soap opera here for a little bit so we can get Matthew Collar in. We've got Rich Gannon coming up in about 10 or 12 minutes. Hi, Matthew. Hello. So the Vikings have newfound life, it seems, and the offense, at least the passing game, is operating on on many cylinders. What do you think that win against Philadelphia does for the rest of the season here? Well, I mean, to start out with, it just puts them in a much, much, much better position in terms of how the schedule shakes out. I mean, I mean, if you look at going through the first five games, if you came away with only one win, and then you have to face Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, and, and by the way, Russell Wilson reminds everyone that even though his team stinks, he's still pretty darn good and can win any time they're at home in Seattle. I mean... This is not an easy schedule. You've got to be Aaron Rodgers. Matt Stafford has been a pain in the neck. They've got to go to Soldier Field. So there is nothing easy on the second half of this schedule. And if you were to come away with a loss there in Philly, I mean, it would be demoralizing from the locker room standpoint. And then it would be a week of everyone asking if you were a fraud this offseason when you thought you were a Super Bowl contender. And instead, now you feel like everything's back on track, and nobody thought that they were going to come away from the first five games 5-0 and when you've got Aaron Rodgers and the Rams and then the uh, you know Philadelphia Eagles. So now it feels much more like, okay, this isn't exactly ideal, but it's still a solid place to be. You're right there in the thick of things in the NFC North, and all you have to do here in this second quarter of the season is take care of business, and then we'll see how the second half goes. But uh, I think for the morale of the team and for the just pure standings standpoint, uh, that that was a gigantic win for them. So we, we spent the Bills week basically saying that the Bills shouldn't start their young quarterback, that the Vikings were going to c- cover a 17-point spread, that the Bills were a non-factor, and then, of course, the Bills came here and won that game pretty decisively. 
That being said, then, how seriously should should we take a Cardinals team that made the quarterback switch, won a game, and certainly is not great, but uh, I, I don't think we're going to make the same mistake that we did last time around with Buffalo. Well, that's right, and I think if they had smacked Buffalo in the mouth and if they had won 27-6 instead of the other way around, then we would be going into this game saying, okay, all right, uh, 10-point favorites, not enough for the Arizona Cardinals. But, you know, you look at a couple of their games, and it's not the same as it was with Buffalo. And When you look at those Buffalo first two games, they had been just murdered by teams that were just okay, and so you figured the Vikings would do the same thing. With Arizona, they beat San Francisco. Of course, no Jimmy Garoppolo there, but still a pretty good defensive performance against San Francisco. And then you look at their game against the Bears, and they slowed down the Bears' offense uh, pretty well there. So they have uh, they don't have a deep team, but they have a couple of players that scare you on offense and defense. And on defense, they have Chandler Jones is one of the elite pass rushers in the league, and I believe he was the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. And also Patrick Peterson, those guys can change a game at any point with a big pick or a strip sack or something like that that uh, I think the Vikings need to be very wary of. And on the offensive side, I mean, last week they hit a 75-yard touchdown from Josh Rosen to Christian Kirk. And even though Rosen, I think, is fighting a severe uphill battle with no running game and no offensive line, David Johnson can make plays, Kirk can make plays, and you know Larry Fitzgerald still has some in the tank. So this is a, a bad team, but they're not a team to look at and say, oh, yeah, you should just steamroll them. They're going to have to show up to win that game. Yeah. Uh, what do you, I, I want to? I'm going to go into some reckless speculation here, Adam Thielen style. So I think he's the 30th highest paid wide receiver somewhere in there in the NFL. Like there's a list of five or six receivers that make more money than he does. That's pretty funny, actually. Um, so 100 percent chance he goes into some renegotiation mode with uh, with his agent Blake Barrett this off season. Do you think Adam Thielen becomes one of the? Do you think he gets paid more than Diggs? Do you think he becomes one of the five highest paid wide receivers this summer? You know, it's hard to predict with him exactly how that will go. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he got some sort of extension that was reflective or paid him about the same amount of money as Stephon Diggs because Thielen just has a different personality than a lot of other wide receivers. I mean, this is a guy who showed up for training camp this year while he was getting paid so much less than another receiver on his own team who he is just as good as where I, I think most, and you look at the Le'Veon Bell and even Aaron Donald, I mean, around the league, even Julio Jones sat out at times for an extension. Most players in his position, and I do not criticize them at all for doing this, will sit out and try to get that money, and it makes a lot of sense to do so. The fact that he came back says something about him uh, to begin with, and someone with the Vikings told me if it wasn't him and his personality, then absolutely he would have been sitting out and causing a stink looking for an extension already. But now performing like this, yeah, I mean, he's going to be looking to up his salary by quite a bit. And when you take a really close look at the Vikings cap situation, it really makes you just amazed at Rob Brzezinski, who is their cap guy. I mean, this, this has got to be the best cap guy in the NFL because they can totally do it. Uh, they can totally find a way to keep Adam Thielen and pay him everything he wants because they're very likely at this point to see Anthony Barr go out the door, and I think that they will be able to replace what he's brought to the table. Uh, Sheldon Richardson may or may not stay. 
And there's another interesting situation kind of brewing with Trey Wayans, where if he continues to get hurt or uh, regresses at all this year and gets burned the rest of the season, they can always release Trey Wayans rather than uh, having him play on his fifth-year option and or signing him to a big uh, contract next year. There's also Latavius Murray will come off the books. Kyle Rudolph as well they could move on from. Anderson Dejo they can move on from. I mean, they put themselves in such great positions here that they were able to absorb uh, Kirk Cousins' contract and still add Sheldon Richardson this year. And I think going forward they can keep whoever they want to keep because they've just set themselves up so well. Matthew, how are they feeling about the the struggles with the running game i mean is do they are they really concerned about it or are they feeling okay just because the passing game with cousins and the receivers has been so strong yeah i I think it's more toward feeling okay about it uh when you look around the league i mean there's no question what is dominating and it certainly isn't the ground and pound right so You know, I, I think you need the running game for two things in the league today. One is to set up play action, and Kirk Cousins is one of the elite play action quarterbacks for his entire career, and he is still, I mean, that good. And I mean, think about how little of a running game you need to succeed in play action that Kirk Cousins this year has 124 rating on play action, and they can't run past hmm. Judd. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. Oh, that maybe they it can. It just doesn't seem. They probably could, yes. It just doesn't seem to make a difference how successful your running game is compared to your play action. Um, you know, it's kind of funny that under North Turner's offense, they didn't have great play action, but they had Adrian Peterson. So, you know, it really goes to more of play design and execution than it does to whether you're running the ball well. Now, here's where they could use it. If they're playing the Arizona Cardinals and they are up 14 points in the fourth quarter, they need to run the clock out. They can't throw a goofy lateral and have it bounce off somebody's hands and turn into uh, a turnover late in a game. I mean, something like that could have easily been avoided by just pounding it down somebody's throat, and that wasn't able to happen against Philadelphia. Uh, and I would also say that you know, part of the running woes are who they faced. I mean, Green Bay, elite interior defensive line. Los Angeles Rams, elite interior defensive line. And the same goes for playing against Fletcher Cox and the Philadelphia Eagles. That will get easier as they go along, and I expect if Delvin Cook is healthy, they will be able to run the ball successfully at some point. Hey, what can people find right now on the Purple Podcast? You and Sage caught up, I saw it today. Yes, Sage and I paid tribute to Josh McCown and his wow. great moment against uh, the Vikings. Of course you did. Uh, we also, yeah, we did. And then we broke down Josh Rosen, and also I, I got together with a former NFL wide receiver to watch some tape with me on Adam Thielen's Spawn Diggs and explain their excellence. Football. Love it. Uh, Love the passion. from 1500ESPN.com and the Purple Podcast, which you can subscribe to anywhere you'd find podcasts. Rich Gannon's going to join us next. To uh, let you, know, we should ask him about leadership with all this Jimmy Butler discussion. <laughs> Has he ever been in a toxic locker room in, in his career? Perhaps here at one so, time. One time it could be. Yeah, we'll get to that. But but first, it's time to talk to Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. Where you? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, man. On 1500 ESPN. All right, we'll uh, give you a quick check on your traffic here. 94 westbound, we still have that crash between Huron and Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis. 31-minute delay if you're headed westbound on 94. So if you're uh, headed towards downtown Minneapolis, be on the lookout. You're looking at some extra drive time there. Football. 
Uh, before we uh, dive back into football, full details about the Jimmy Butler practice escapades at 1500ESPN.com. If you want to, uh, if you're just hopping in your car, Jimmy Butler showed up to Wolves practice after all the drama the last few weeks. First time he showed up to Wolves practice, and he pretty much lit the practice facility on fire. Yes, he did. And scheduled an interview with Rachel Nichols, who just happened to be in town, you know, not yeah. pre-orchestrated at all. But yes. you can read about it at 1500ESPN.com. Which leads uh, to our first question for Rich Gannon, who joins us every uh, Wednesday at this time. And Rich, it's this. What was the most toxic locker room environment that you saw during the course of your playing career? And and how did did the v- veterans go about trying to solve that? Because this Wolves thing right now is off the tracks, and, and I don't know that they have the people in place to to take the steps uh, to rectify it. You know, you know, we, there's a saying in in our league that you get what you tolerate, and you know, if you, if you tolerate that type of behavior from your players, or players come into your program, and they're allowed to. To misbehave and, and there's no consequences, then you, know, you get what you get. A great example of that was what took place with Odell Beckham Jr. last week. I mean, you look what happened with what's happened with the Steelers, you know, which is a pretty disciplined team the first month of the season without Le'Veon Bell, but those guys popping off. But I think Odell Beckham Jr., I mean, you know, calling out the team, saying that they don't have any heart, um, you know, being critical of Eli Manning, who's won two Super Bowls. I mean, I just, and you know, I think we're seeing more and more of it. I mean, with certain teams, I mean, the Vikings have been really good. I think it starts really with the leadership. With, with the, Obviously, Mike Zimmer's not going to tolerate it. Bill Belichick's not going to tolerate it. But, you know, you get some of these coaches, some young coaches, some quote-unquote player coaches, and, uh, you know, it can be a real problem and a real issue if it's not dealt with internally. Yeah. So what – this is kind of a general question for you, but – what makes for good leadership in sports from a from a player's perspective? If you're one of the veterans or you're you know you're a quarterback, whatever it may be, what are the things that make up a great leader compared to a wishy washy or bad leader? Well, I think I think your best leaders are your best and most consistent performers, first and foremost. And then I, I think from there, I think your best players are typically your smartest players, and smart players you know rarely do dumb things or say dumb things. So I think it starts there. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, it, it also starts with, you know, you know the, the locker room in terms of um, is there good leadership and uh, in, in not just, say, for example, the quarterback position, but is there leadership in every room, in the, in the secondary room, with the defensive backs, with the linebackers, defensive line. You know, it's with one coach who said he likes to have one guy in every room. So I need to have one person who's going to kind of oversee and run that room. I'm talking about a player. You know, a guy that's a veteran player that's done it the right way, he's a real professional that, that um, you know, walks the walk and, and talks the talk. And, and um, I think, you know, there's there's a void of leadership on certain teams, especially when you see these players say these things and there's not consequences for it. But, um, you know, it's hard to win in our league if you don't have really good leadership. And uh, I think it has, it has to start at the top of the organization. On Beckham, Rich, uh, at what point does does personality and and personality deficiencies outweigh talent? Because there has to become a point where, where you say to yourself, this guy is phenomenally talented and he's a great player, but the baggage is too much. Is that a correct assessment on my part? Uh, I I agree totally. I mean, you know, there was as great as Randy Moss was. Um, you know, he didn't always work in other places. You know, and I think he he wore out his welcome in Minnesota. He went out to Oakland, was a 
real disappointment. And then all of a sudden he goes to a system and a culture and an environment where they just simply won't tolerate it. And he's the model citizen, right? And I just so, um, you know, I, I think the, the Odell Beckham Jr., this was, this, this wasn't anything new. I mean, we've seen this behavior from him going back to his rookie season. And then, you know, he's on his best behavior coming off of an injury last season. He showed up at the, uh, the offseason program. Um, you know, really they felt like maybe he turned the corner, you know, he obviously looking for a new contract, they pay him the big money and then what you do, he's right back to being, you know, um, kind of who he is. And that's, that's, that's unfortunate. And, you know, some quarterbacks like just simply wouldn't tolerate. I, I think, you know, Eli's a guy that's kind of a soft-spoken guy, likes to lead by example. But I always say like when you look at a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., if your if your passion and your self interest come before your responsibility to your team, then I think you put yourself and your team at risk. And he seems to do that every week. I just don't understand that guy. Yeah, Rich, how much does winning? How much can winning help situations like that, though? It can help, but I would tell you, like I, I play with a lot of really good receivers and in in some cases and not all of them but in some cases it can be a total prima donna position a lot of it's about stats and numbers and catches i played with a guy in minnesota one time who told me week 11 he says i need like you know 19 more catches to to earn my bonus and i'm like (laughs) are you serious like this is what we're talking about we're trying to win games and this is like this guy that just goes to show you where his focus and concentration was it wasn't on winning and it was on self and um, so, you know, I think that, um, you know, you hope that players at that position get it. You know, here's a great – if you look at Belichick, and I, you say, like, you know, Randy Moss aside, but, like, they've never really gone out and drafted a receiver in the first round. He, he just won't do it. And he's not going to pay a receiver. That's the good ones. You know, Brandon Cooks let him leave. He's not going to pay him Because he, he – he, I don't want to say he undervalues that position – but he simply is, you know, the way they build their team, they're just not going to have a guy at that position making a lot of money. They've got a quarterback making a lot of money, but and they just think that they can get players like Josh Gordon's a great example. Get a player up the street, you know what I mean? They get some of these overachiever type players, the Wes Walkers and the, you know, Brandon uh, or Join Edelman and and uh, uh, you know Amendola, those type of guys, and they just they just plug them in and, and they make it work. So I, I think it's a different philosophy in some places. But um, yeah, I love speaking of prima donna. I mean, you know, the Vikings just the, the they're just the opposite of that. I mean, you look at what they've got with Stephon Diggs and, and Adam Thielen. These are guys who've just been so productive and they do things the right way and they've really gelled with the quarterback so thank goodness that's not a problem here in Minnesota. Yeah, Rich Gannon is our guest, weekly guest here uh, on the Football Hour, Mackie and Judd and we 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 were on Monday one of our big talking points was well A the season feels saved because they won that game in Philadelphia now 2-2 two, two and 1 looks a lot better and feels a lot better than 1-3 and 1 but but they but I mean there's a lot of things to nitpick. The defense hasn't been as good, the running game is non-existent but when your passing game travels to Green Bay and to Los Angeles and to Philadelphia and looks like it has in those three places, that's got to be a good sign, right? It really is. And, you know, um, I, keep, I keep waiting for this running game to, to, to bust out. And I, I think that it, it will at some point. But right now, I mean, you know, this is how they're winning. Kirk's got the hot hand. Um, I just sat the other day, and I, 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 think it's, I think it's accurate, but I think Kirk's the first quarterback in the history of football that's gone four straight games with 30 or more completions. I mean, might want to double-check that stat, but I mean, it's pretty amazing when you think about it. He's putting up big numbers. He's 30 of 37, and he's doing it on the road in an environment like Philadelphia that's, you know, look, 
I'm, maybe they're going through a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover, but still a good football team. I just think that was a big win for them. There was a lot of talk. There's been a lot of chirping about, you know, this, you know, who is this team? And, you know, are they good enough to – and they go on the road against a team like Philadelphia uh, that can be very physical. And I thought not only did they match their physicality, but I think they, they outplayed them in a number of different areas. And they really got after them. I mean, look, when you start scoring on defense, the Eagles were 2 of 11 on third down, and they did some really good things when you go back and watch the film. Hey, Rich, how difficult has it become to play consistently good defense in this league right now with the rules? I saw a stat today. It's incredible. We're on pace for 12,272 points to be scored. That's a 9.4% increase from from last year. With where the rules are right now, how difficult is it for a team to play consistently good defense? It's a great question, and I I think that, you know, here's a here's a here's a perfect example of that. Like when you look at uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, for example, you say they've got a phenomenal offense, they put up a lot of points, and you know, you, you may be surprised to know that their defense is dead last in football. They get up 461 yards a game, almost 462 yards a game. Uh, they get up almost 26 points a game. So you say, well, they've got a great offense, their defense is terrible. Well, not necessarily. You know, I think when you look at complementary football, how things are being played there. Um, you know, a lot of times they've had big leads in the fourth quarter. They're playing prevent defenses. Teams are nickel and dime. You know what I mean? So I think some of those numbers can be skewed. They clearly have to play better on defense uh, when, you, when you really study them. But that's an example of, you know, where you say, well, you know, they're the worst defense in football statistically in terms of total yards. But really, when you look at it, um, because of the way their offense is playing, but I would agree with you. I think that you look at the Vikings – uh, you look at obviously the Chiefs. You look at the Rams. You look at some of these high-powered offenses. You look at some of these quarterbacks, some of these receivers. I was just watching um, Antonio Brown. Um, some of these receivers. I don't know how you cover them. They're so quick in and out of cuts. They drop their weight. They're they're explosive. You got quarterbacks that are accurate. But then, but then I've been watching the Tennessee Titans. They can't make a first down throwing the football. So, um, you know, I think right now they're the haves and have-nots. When you talk about you know teams that can chuck it around and and, uh, and beat you that way, but certainly when you look at you know what the Bucks were doing early in the season with Fitzpatrick, the Rams, the Vikings, you know third and passing Steelers, of course the Saints, you know, good quarterback play and, and talent at the wide receiver position. Yeah. So you you mentioned the Titans and I there was a this is from I think a couple weeks ago and they showed a locker room post game celebration video where they they clearly love. Mike Vrabel. I mean, he is resonating in that locker room. Which coach did you most, or would you most wanted to have run through a brick wall for in your career? Well, there's two coaches that I didn't play for that I wish, in, in looking back, I would have had the opportunity to play for. I missed Joe Gibbs uh, in Washington by a year. I would have loved to play for Coach Gibbs. He's a great coach and a great uh, person. And I also would have loved to play for Bill Belichick. I you know, I think he and I would have hit it off. Um, you know, he's he's not the, the towel snapping, you know, uh, <laughs> typical player coach. You know, uh, but he he does have some personality. I think when, once you get to know him. But look, you know, who doesn't want to go somewhere where you got a chance to win and win big all the time? So, um, I love playing for Marty Schottenheimer in Kansas City. I, I love playing for John Gruden in Oakland. I felt like he really put me in a position each week to have a chance to, to be really successful, our team to be successful. So that's important. I think I think players respect coaches that really put in the time, effort, and energy to put you in a position to have a chance to win each week. Right on. Football. Yes. 
That's Rich Gannon. Great stuff, Rich. Thanks, Rich. See you next you week, man. Talk to you soon. Rich Gannon. You can find him uh, all over the place talking football on the uh, airwaves. And right here every week, you can find him on Mackie and Judd. We have more. There's more details on the Jimmy Butler. Yahoo has not more details. Yeah, Sports I know Center exactly has more where details. you're going with this. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll continue to flush out the Jimmy Butler practice grenade that happened today in downtown Minneapolis. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. You think you like football? Well, John Gruden doesn't just really like football. He f- loves football. Aaron Rodgers will not waste time running his great back into a loaded box when he has three receivers that are running a solution to his problems. It's a beautiful thing. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Football! Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Back to Mackie and John. Hello, boy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? <laughs> it's pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. Is Jimmy leaving? Can Tibbs let him go? These are the days of our wolves. From Yahoo Sports... Here's another account of what happened at practice today from Chris B. Haynes, who's very plugged in. Add, mm-hmm. add this to the Woj reports and what Doogie's been telling us and, and what Jimmy flat out said verbatim on camera to Rachel Nichols after practice. Not that this was all planned or anything. Of course to, not. to go up and verbally accost all of his teammates and coaches, but this is from Yahoo. Throughout the practice, Butler verbally bashed Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, Tom Thibodeau, and Scott Layden, sources said. Screaming from the top of his lungs, Butler uttered taunts at his teammates, such as, quote, they ain't bleep, mm-hmm. and they soft, league sources said. Most of the players knew the in, uh, the invectives. What's an invective, Judd? You're a journalist. In, uh, invective? Is that a bad word? Invective. I'm looking up invective We're directed at right Towns and going. Wiggins. He was directing oh, these oh. things at Towns and Wiggins. Yes. Uh, Butler naturally wasn't in the best of shape, league sources said, but he still held his own. At one point, Butler found himself guarding Towns in the post, and when the big man received the entry pass, Butler yelled, he can't do bleep against me. Towns ended up kicking the ball out, sources said. And that, that, see, that bothers me. That that does really bother me because... Elbow him in the head, not get yeah. his head off. Yeah, that, exactly. That bothers me because one of, the, one of the complaints that I had with Cat all of last season was that he was... There were so many times especially in situations where he was trying to post up, where he would not establish position and he would get so frustrated and then he'd turn around and take a bad shot or he'd turn it over or he'd get yeah. mad because they're not calling fouls or whatever. And it's like, Cat. The playoffs. I, yeah, it's like Those first two playoff games, yeah. It's like, Cat, I love you, man, but come on. This is this is the league. You gotta. Yeah, and like you know, in this case, he, he, there's a guard guarding you, and you're in the post. But anyways, this is yeah. just a this is just a practice report from Yahoo. Yep. Neither Towns nor Wiggins confronted Butler at any point. League sources said <sighs> some players were motivated by Butler's theatrics, but others were distraught <laughs> and speechless. Most notably, Towns. League sources said. <sighs> When practice concluded, <laughs> See, that and bugs me. There's also like I I, I I love Carl Anthony Towns, but that really bugs me. It's fair to say this too that there is we don't know the full details, but there is sure. some underlying stuff between Towns and Butler that we aren't a hundred percent sure what it all is publicly. 
but there's some stuff that goes beyond, oh, they don't really like each other. It's yeah. like there's some personal stuff between those two guys. And now, because the Wolves allowed this to happen, this all has to play out in front of everyone's eyes. Let me just read a couple more things here. Um, when practice concluded, Butler stormed yeah, out of the this facility. Is, this is the worst part. Without stretching with the rest of his teammates, league sources said. However, before he departed, Wiggins did give him a hand dap, sources said. Meaning like, <laughs> solidarity hey buddy. handshake. Hey, hey, buddy. Great practice. Towns then huddled the players up with yeah. a message centered around how uh, everyone keeping their emotions in check, league sources said. But according to some players, the message was empty. The Wolves were warned beforehand by Butler the situation could get uglier if he wasn't traded before the season. And here we are. So how does Tibbs have a job right now? Like, once this all transpired and it backfired this bad, why is he still employed right now? Because he has pictures of something in Glenn Taylor's family that, like, Glenn doesn't want out. I, Glenn, like, Glenn, I would like to see, I would have liked to seen Cat, when Cat got the ball, take his elbow and bury it in Jimmy's nose. I think that, that would have been appropriate, and I would like that. But short of the fact that that did not happen... How is this all allowed to just transpire? Yeah. And your supposed head coach likes it? It makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, Sam Amick has this report for The Athletic, too. Everyone's are, getting phone calls. But there are people. Bernie Lee's like, is Sam there? There, yeah, Bernie Lee's got nine burner phones right now. That guy's such a that guy's a kind of a clown too. Jimmy Butler's agent just like can't get enough microphone time. Okay, sorry, go ahead. All all, all off the record though, all off the record. Uh, those are uh, there are people close to the situation who strongly believe that Thibodeau's time in Minnesota is already unofficially over. Adds uh, that money and timing are two factors. Derek James, our buddy with uh, the assist on that, so. Invective. Other, other than that, things are going great, I've heard. Invective, prior. definition, strong criticism, insults, and abusive or insulting language. Hmm. That is what Jimmy Butler did to this his teammates. Is, uh, Alrighty then. Wow, man. This is this is something else. Like I, It's like I told Judd in hour one, Phil, the, the, produce, the radio producer, podcaster side of me is loving every bit of this. But the fan in me, the 34-year-old who's been watching this team since I was like eight, is like extremely frustrated because it's like, come on, like, guys, get your ducks and get your ducks in a row here. One time, like, just one once. time. Andrew once. Wiggins. It's been 30 years of this. Andrew Wiggins got verbally abused and insulted at a practice, and then the guy that did it, he gave him a. Hey, how yeah, how big of a coward are you? Someone spends an hour dressing you down and calling you soft and just absolutely defecating all over yes. your manhood. And when it's all over, you walk up to them well, with a bro hug. Hi, man. Even, great to I'm see you, I'm in on this, right? The, the I'm thing, in on this, Jimmy. Oh, the thing with Wiggins, too, I go back to the Instagram <laughs> thing with, with Steven Jackson. It's like, okay, you got Steven Jackson who is... I mean, if you want to talk about a roughneck that played in the NBA, like Steven Jackson, Steven Jackson went into the stands and fought fans. Yeah. <laughs> Steven Jackson's awesome. In the in the malice in the palace. Like, if if there's anybody that talks about that knows about toughness playing in the NBA, like it's Steven Jackson. And he's looking and he's on Instagram and he's saying, Andrew Wiggins, you got no heart, man. Like that, that's where I look at Wiggins and say, Come on, man, that's gotta that's got to ignite a fire in you, man. That's got to get you like angry and wanting to kick everybody's ass. There's this no season. fire there, Manny. Uh, good thing he's no not. Fire. I mean, good thing at the very least he's not entering a season in which he's going to make a bunch of money that's going to secure generations. He looked Glenn of in the eye, damn it! Numbers. He looked him in the eye and said, "I'll try." <laughs>
Is Jimmy leaving? Can Tibbs let him go? These are the days of our wolves. I'm, I'm sure Patrick will have a couple thoughts on all this. We'll wrap with Roycey when we come back to the TCL. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic here before we wrap with Roycey. 62 westbound. We have a crash in Richfield. That's between Bloomington Avenue South and Portland Avenue. Uh, that is adding 24 extra minutes to your commute if you're westbound. 62. Also, 94 westbound. We have a crash uh, adding 21 minutes to your commute. That is between 5th Street and 35W in Minneapolis. Thank you, Manny. We wrap with Roycey every day. On the show, I have I have figured out I've had an epiphany, Pat, about yes about baseball. Watching all this Jimmy Butler stuff play out. So here's what yes. baseball needs if they want to capture more if they want to capture the attention of <laughs> okay, young ready. sports fans. All right. So Jimmy Butler schedules Rachel Nichols to come to town, knowing that he's going to yes. walk into Wolves practice and throw a hand yes. grenade in there for an hour and then do yes. an interview with yes. ESPN. Why doesn't Mike Trout schedule Carl Ravitch or someone from baseball tonight come to Los Angeles? Listen, I'm sick of this team. I'm sick of the, the Angels losing. Go hit bombs in batting practice and MF everybody on the field and then get Carl Ravitch in the house and complain about the organization. I think that would be a good. Uh, I can confirm, by the way, the Timberwolves had no idea Rachel was in town. They, uh, they learned it when we did, when he was uh, appeared on television. So, Not surprising. This was a, yeah. uh, this was a this was a wonderful little dramatic short in which Jimmy started. Now he's and uh, now he's, uh, he's the calm down. I just want a hoop guy in, <laughs> yeah. uh, in the uh, in the interview. With, well, and Pat, uh, you could see you could see when Rachel's talking to him. He's she's asking him the first question. He's just got this little sly sort of smirky smile really, on his face. He's got like, this sly. Well, he, He's got that sly look saying, are people really going to believe this? Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's fantastic. That's, uh, that's for sure. It's, uh, it's, uh, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of trying to hack something away on that uh, very uh, choreography uh, topic right now. Hey, Patrick, where does this fall for you as, as far as, as uh, sports dysfunction in this town? Because I, I had to go back to Percy throwing the weight at Childress in 2010. Well, maybe Burt giving the one-arm salute to Calvin when he walked off his last pitching appearance in 1976 at Met Stadium, except Calvin wasn't down and he didn't know it. So that was pretty good, though. Uh, now, you don't not you certainly didn't in 1976 have the media to focus on it like you did now, but Burt's, uh, you know, grabbing, uh, giving him the uh, straight arm with the uh, wrist capped around the arm would have been pretty good tv and I, today you'd see that once in a while on uh on espn and the other outlets that was i'd say this ranks with there let me I, I, that's just off the top of my head yeah. of course i was involved in that one because uh uh he uh he suggested that there were two fat guys in town who would participate in uh in uh, activities with uh, male, sexual activities with males, uh, one of them was Calvin, and the other was me. So oh. it was—I uh, kind of remember that one closely. Wait, wait, Bert oh. Blylevin, who circles people? I can't believe he that. Me, yeah, yeah, he was. 
he was we were he was surrounded after the game, and I was kind of standing in the second row. And he said something. He called Calvin a fat bleeper bleeper, and then he oh. uh, looked, and so is that guy a fat bleeper bleeper? Well, Pat, you know what they say: you only have to bleep bleep once to be a bleep bleep. <laughs> Right, I, I didn't deny it for God's sakes. What the hell? Anyway, uh, it's uh, it. What's he going to do for Act Two tomorrow? That they got a when are they got a game tomorrow? Right? They got to go. Do they? To, they got to yeah. go to Milwaukee, right? Have fun with that. So, I mean, I would guess God. he might not accompany the team. The best but, part about uh, it on the yacht. Apparently, he took the third team and kicked their ass. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. well. So then, so all of that. So he's got the third string. Bench yeah. warmers, and he's yeah. and he's guarding Carl Anthony Towns in the post, and he's just bleep bleeping everybody up and down practice. And then in the Yahoo Sports account of what happened oh, in at yeah. the end of practice, after just getting berated and belittled for an hour, and Andrew Wiggins still goes up and gives him like the 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 hand slap, the hand, the hand dab, the yeah. hand dab, yeah. <laughs> oh, hey Jimmy, man, good to see you, buddy. Yeah, right. yeah. thanks, oh, Andrew. There's my buddy, Jimmy yeah. Buckets. He's totally, totally, totally oblivious to what's going on. It's uh, well. Here's what I, you know, okay. Towns didn't step up in front of him and say anything, and uh, Wiggins did. But where are our other uh, veteran leaders, Taj? And uh, yeah, where's Taj? Uh, what's he in here? He's in here to be a leader. Where's Derek Gross telling him to shut up? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I feel like all of the, the there's so oh, many brainwashed the, where's Tibbs my guy guys. Tibbs, hide under the bleachers. What the hell is going on? Yeah, Tibbs yeah. apparently did nothing and said nothing. Who ran? Did they run drills? Did anybody coach, or did they just let him run the practice? So he showed. He so Jimmy Butler showed up late to practice and then subbed himself in upon arrival with the third stringers <laughs> for the scrimmage. Is yeah. what happened, and then played and, and stayed an hour and left. Right? Yes. And went off to see where where was Rachel set up? But did, she must have had a room in that hotel right there, probably. Oh, oh that's probably where it was. Yeah, across the street. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, right now, your... now, right downstairs, not even across the street. You can just go downstairs. It's beautiful. Hey, I, oh, right. yeah. at, at the risk of putting you in a spot to uh, criticize your boss's 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 boss at the Star Tribune. How is it possible to be a billionaire, successful business person who I would presume hires the right people in all of his businesses, and then you have this with the Timberwolves, and he like he's constantly either whiffing on hires or it it boggles my mind how Glenn Taylor can have situations like this pop up, not quite like this, but every two or three years, Pat. Well, at the risk of being uh, considered to be a uh, gutless weenie, I'm not going to say a damn word about it. <laughs> <laughs> you those, can take care of that. Thank you. Those strip checks are still cleared, and you're going to keep it that way, <laughs> damn it. Crevier quit yesterday. He's my guy. You think I want to go out on a limb now? For <laughs> you know, I already lost one job this year. I don't need to lose another one. For yeah. What's wrong with you, Becky? That's fair. That's fair. That's you know? Patrick will be writing for the Sun Sailor once a week on local <laughs> high school sports. Right. Uh, that's right. Uh, but Nelson uh, Margaret has no idea what they're doing oh, in football. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, well. They everybody's yelling at me today because I was writing something else. You got to write this. You got to write this. I said, I don't know what the hell's going on. What, what do you want me to write? I wasn't over there. You know, if somebody told me this whack job was going to show up, I would I would have been there. But uh, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's incredible. And it's you just made the good point though. The NBA man, 
that this is the middle of the NFL season, yep. and this will be the number one story. The 18th best player in the NBA, uh, raising hell, is going to be the number one story on Sports Center all night. Do we think the NBA is the NBA telling people behind the scenes the last few years? Listen, this is just as much about soap opera off the you know, outside of the game. So fire it up, or is it all just player empowerment and? I'm going to call Rachel Nichols and player empowerment. You know, yeah. Is that what it is? Is you're right. It's fun. Oh yeah. Well, it's the players there. I mean, the player empowerment. All you got to know is Andrew Wiggins got 140 million dollars because he might leave. You know. So, you know. I mean, that's uh, Towns. You think? You know. I know we all like screwed by the Wiggins, but Towns had him over the barrel. He got 190. You want to pay those two guys 330? You know. You know. Towns is. Towns is overrated too. By the way, he's good. He can be great. He could become great, but he's overrated. Not as overrated as Wiggins, obviously. But I mean, but, I, uh, I I hope the ink is dry on that Carl Anthony Towns contract because if they haven't finalized that after today, I'd be a little nervous. <laughs> he's probably not too pleased about the fact it is dry. Well, it's, it's, it, did you guys didn't see Van Gundy on Van Gundy? Stan is their new uh, commentator, and he says, "I talked to somebody. Well, he and Tibbs are buddies." He said. They told me they had their best practices. <laughs> of course. Of and you know course, what? Yeah. Tibbs probably believes that. Yeah. Tibbs probably like, that was great. Well, I talked to somebody today. Here's the problem with bringing in Jimmy. They thought, is, I mean, bringing in Jimmy is a leader of men. They got two bad cops. They don't have the good cop. You know, they, you, you got to, you know, Tibbs isn't a good cop. And Jimmy's, <laughs> Jimmy's the, uh, Jimmy's the, uh, the, the Harvey Keitel cop that, uh, you know, went out and shot everybody in the head. Out the, uh, <laughs> what was that? I can't remember what that movie is, but uh, Harvey was uh, not, not a good, the bad lieutenant. That's, a, uh, that's, that's, yeah, the bad lieutenant. That's, uh, that's him. So, Man. Well, we'll see what uh, happens tomorrow. I, uh, I'm just upset that when all this broke down, I already had two thirds of another caliber. <laughs> well, you should have trusted. You're your gonna theory. rip Glenn Taylor in tomorrow's Star Tribune. I can feel yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, don't hold your breath. <laughs> I am not. Bye, See you Pat. tomorrow, Pat. See you, Pat. All right, we wrap with Roycey every day. All right, find uh, Do- Doogie with some great stuff on this Butler situation from earlier in the show. Rich Gannon was awesome. So find it all on demand. Mackie and Judd show page fifteen hundred ESPN dot com.